Hey, so Jesse, we talk a lot about college on this show. Yeah, we do. And what we actually mean is Avondale University College, where we both got our bachelor degrees in ministry and theology. Yeah. And, you know, that's also where we became buddies and we lived in the dorms. We ate at the calf, walked to class in the sunshine. It was great. It was great. We had late night Maccas runs. We led in worship and uh, we also met some of our closest friends there. Absolutely. Probably one too many late night Maccas runs for me. But, you know, honestly, studying at Avondale was the best. And we're so stoked to say that this episode is sponsored by Avondale University College. Called to make a difference? Called to beat Avondale. Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is a show all about saving the best and burning the rest. It sure is. And I'm asking, how did you find us today? Was it an algorithm? (laughs) (laughs) I'd be very interested to know, like, how we get recommended. Because surely not everything, surely not every person who listens is not like word of mouth sort of thing so that people must Mm. be getting onto us organically i hope at least that's like the hope of every podcaster right yeah well i remember we were speaking to uh sahil so shout out to sahil a listener from uh well avondale um we met him in brisbane when we were at that brisbane big camp just this time last year pretty much and uh and he told us he found us through spotify isn't that interesting uh, yeah like another I don't know if it was like it was recommended to him on Spotify because I don't really know much about how podcasts work on Spotify because I don't yeah. listen to podcasts on Spotify. They're kind of creating their own. They're kind of creating their own thing on Spotify, trying to like redefine what podcasting is, which is kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah, which is cool, um, and I'm interested in looking into it more. But anyway, he's. I think he got recommended us, or he saw a friend. You know, how you can like see what your friends are listening to on Spotify. Yeah. I think yeah. maybe he saw somebody listening to us. I'm not, yeah, one of those two. So that's uh, that's pretty interesting, mm. I guess. Um, it's definitely a world that I don't really understand too well, but I, I know enough about it to be intrigued and also slightly scared by it, and <laughs> <laughs> which is ironically what we're going to talk all about today. So I'm intrigued and scared for our discussion. <laughs> well, so you should be. If you've ever seen the show Black Mirror on Netflix, no, let's not go down that, that <laughs> yeah. path. Uh, no, well, recently, look at us. We're being so productive. We're getting straight into the content today. What are, people, what are, we, what are we even doing? This is crazy. Uh, <laughs> what has anyway. become of us? <laughs> yes. Where is the haystack? Okay, no, anyway. Mm. We are... Recently, I have noticed on social media... Funnily enough, there's been a bit of an awakening, uh, a lot of realizations probably over the over the past year, year and a bit, yep. maybe year and a half. Um, really, a lot lately, um, because you know there's been a Netflix show called The Social Dilemma, which has exploded. Um, I did watch it. Have you seen it? Yeah, I have not seen it yet, so I'm not I'm not in in on this whole this conversation. Yeah, yeah, no, well, that, it's fair enough. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people talking about it and deleting their Facebook apps and stuff, wow. which is so funny because I've, you know, I've seen articles and stuff shared around this stuff for a good couple of years, all the same content that was in that 
documentary. Yeah. But the documentary just does it in such a good way. I, w- I would recommend so, it. Yeah. So, okay. Can you give us the cliff notes? Like for me and anybody else who hasn't watched The Social Dilemma, what's the 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 the, the snapshot thesis? <laughs> oh, wow. uh, I don't know if I'm qualified to give a snapshot thesis. But, what was uh, your takeaways then? No, well, I, I think it does a really good job explaining... Uh, explaining the the problems social media is causing in our social lives, hence the name Social yeah. Dilemma. Yeah. And it creates some good pictures of sort of like really basic what the algorithms kind of look like and how they're interacting with you. They've got this, because it's, it's a documentary, but they also have these like, dr- like a mini drama that goes okay. through it too. It's like these actors playing these parts and there's this one guy who's using his phone heaps and then you see the algorithm engaging with him in the phone like it's but it's like three different people one is right. um monetization the other is oh, i think it's like alertness and the other one is well i can't remember but it's like these three main things that the algorithms are trying to push on you yeah and you see them it's like they're in the screen but like looking at him through the screen right so it's like, like a personification yeah, and so they're like, "Oh, quick, let's get a let's get a let's get a post from his ex girlfriend. Put that up there. Yeah, nice. And oh. throw in a quick shoe ad. Bam! She told that for thirty cents. You know that sort of thing. Mm. Like that sort of thing. It's pretty interesting. Um, okay. okay. So I think it does a really good job of trying to driving people to action, just because of how emotive it is. Yeah. Um, and it's got some really cool interviews with um, the guy who helped make the like button on Facebook. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the previous president of Pinterest. Uh, a what's the guy? The guy's title. It was like uh, he had a he had a really specific title, which I found really intriguing, but I've forgotten okay. it. But it's, essentially, he worked in ethics at Google. Oh, interesting. Yeah, ethics. he had some name. It's like eth. I don't know. Anyway, eth. Yeah. Eth- Ethicness, ethicist, um, like an ethicist. Ethicist. Yeah, that might have been the word actually. I yeah, think I that's think the actual title for somebody who is like a scientist in the realm of ethics. I think. Oh, right. Yeah. I think he was ethicist at Google, I think. But somebody fact check that on me. Um, yeah. So that was really cool. So it does a good job, I think. It's got some really interesting interviews with different people. Um, yeah. And I guess it just explains, uh, yeah, I guess a lot of a lot of that sort of the current snapshot of what, yeah. what it's doing to us and how like teen, like anxiety and depression rates are soaring higher and higher and higher pretty much yep. ever since 2011 which is when social media became available on smartphones uh-huh. um yeah and it's just getting higher with each generation just out of control like it was apparently it was sitting pretty stable but then 2011 it's just gone up and up and up and up year and year yeah because it's not like it's not like facebook is you know in the last 10 years i think facebook is almost 15 years old now at this point in time I think Facebook launched mm. early 2000s. I remember my first Facebook account, 2008, 2006, maybe. I can't remember. Yeah, I think I think mine was 2008 or 2009. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Which is, you know, it's been around for a long time, but I still remember my first Facebook account was this dinky looking, um, <laughs> you know, profile. Like, you know, the, the UI was so bad. Um, it looks so different, yeah, to how it does now. Yeah, yeah. And it was so different in terms of the functionality. Like when we first started our social media accounts, I think the same expectations that we had for platforms like Bebo and MySpace 
that was sort of what we thought Facebook was, just a way to connect with your family and friends and see what they're up to, you know, whatever. But it has kind of, yes, it's ballooned into this whole new thing, which is so um, surprising and is kind of out of control. I don't know. Is that is that too too like dramatic to say that it's kind of out of control <laughs> oh, I, I think that's spot on uh because another another uh resource that jesse and i have both listened jesse found it and recommended it to me and i fell in love with it is a podcast called the rabbit hole by the new york times yeah yeah no it's um a fantastic podcast i started listening to it a little while ago um you can go and listen to it anywhere you find podcasts but basically what it tracks is so it follows several people. It starts with this just young guy who um, started watching YouTube videos from this, um, I suppose, more right-wing, moderate Canadian YouTuber. And then just- well, I think the- at the beginning, it was just self-help stuff. I don't think there yeah. was any sort of political leaning yeah. just from my memory of it. Yeah. Like like a Jordan Peterson type person. Um, yeah. I'd never heard of Stefan Molyneux before I listened to the podcast, but no. when I listened to his earlier stuff, I realized, oh yeah, so he's kind of like a Jordan Peterson type, but then he goes, Stefan Molyneux today is a very different person than when he first started out. And he doesn't have the um, professional credentials that Jordan Peterson does as well. But anyway, the the guy, this young guy who... Um, goes on this journey with Stefan Molyneux, eventually starts to um, interact with and uh, follow different people. And just the the crazy roller coaster of um, the way that these YouTube personalities has shaped his personal um, life and his personality and his political leanings, as well as the dark uh, side of you know, QAnon and um, mm. the secret societies and the conspiracy theorists and the Al- Alex Jones and all that sort of, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. But the fact, I, so I suppose if I could, you know, my takeaways from the rabbit hole is is basically how crazily the internet has impacted our lives and it's almost done it under the radar. Like mainstream society didn't see this coming and yet it is fundamentally shaped and change the way that we see each other and the way that we see the world, which... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that was an interesting point. Like, yeah, they, both are real. I would say, yeah, listeners, check out both of these resources because they both, they have a lot of overlap, but they both have really individual parts that the other just totally misses out on. Um, so one thing I found from The Social Dilemma, because this interview with the guy who helped make the like button, and he was saying, it's so weird because our initial thoughts around creating that was to spread positivity. It was all, you know, we want more people to feel liked. That's yeah. what it was all about. We had no idea. Nobody on the team ever thought it would end up in like teens who are struggling with um, yeah. negative thoughts and depression and anxiety and way further down, you know, because mm. they didn't get enough likes on a platform. It becomes they like a vanity. Never- it becomes like a vanity metric and a self-worth sort of metric as well. Yeah, and they said no one ever would have thought of that, which is, and that's the thing. I, I think, yeah, it's it's just wacky to think like how innocent and probably, like I think actually, like they had really good reasons to make it at the, at the beginning. You know, I don't think anybody would have 
predicted yeah. the kind of crazy world we're in now with all of these tools that we have at our disposal. It's um, it's good intentions, right? Like it was started with yeah. good intentions, and yet it's it's ballooned out of. I don't know Facebook necessarily. I mean, I've seen the Social Network movie and some documentaries around Mark Zuckerberg. I don't know if Facebook itself was started with good intentions. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, well, not in that movie, no, not really. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in terms of like what Facebook and Google, um, specifically those two companies who have impacted so much of our modern internet um in in terms of what they've done uh, it's interesting how good intentions have completely been hijacked by the hive mind of of the internet and turned into something completely different but i will also like not to put not to you know give people a pass for you know creating a tool that could potentially be used for evil but I just think that this is such an unprecedented time that we're living in, in terms of the technology that we have at our disposal. And I feel like people are creating things that they don't even know how they're going to be used, you know? Yeah. And they're growing so fast and with really not not much um, in the way of like government legislation or anything like that. Yeah. So it's just like the wild west really you know just going crazy that's why um, not, it, not that it's... i know anything about the wild west it's just a good expression to use and i think of that movie with um will smith you know with the wild, anyway, wild west yeah <laughs> that giant mechanical spider thing at the end yeah i'm like what anyway <laughs> but that's why i think like um whether it was it 2019 or 2018 when mark zuckerberg testified in front of congress that's why that whole thing was so weird to me because on the one hand um, Facebook is a corporation that is under the jurisdiction of the American government. But on the other hand, it feels like so much bigger than just one country and it impacts the entire world. So it's like, how can one government keep Facebook accountable for something that happens in Syria? You know, like we saw the Arab Spring um, mostly because of Facebook. You know, mm. the, people being able to organize protests and, you know, eventually destabilize entire governments um, just a few years ago, all because of this one social media application developed by a company in California. Like, what? You know? Yeah, right. It's crazy. <laughs> um, and I think, I think we're, you know, over the last couple of years, we're really starting to see the effects it's having. Um, you know, particularly last year. Uh, with you know here in New Zealand we had the uh, shooting at Christchurch, which was horrible. Um, but that guy pretty much radicalized through uh, through just online. Um, yep. I don't know exactly what platforms, but essentially you know it was all just through. I'm guessing these sort of spaces. Um, and then and like, he used Facebook to live stream as he was doing it. He right. Legit. He took the time to set up a body cam so that he could live stream the whole thing as he was doing it, which is yeah, it's ridiculously horrific. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. And like, you know, um, QAnon, yeah. which we've seen recently with that guy arrested, uh, you know, going to the pizza shop with a gun to liberate the, the what is the it? Slaves. Sex slaves or whatever yeah. that were there in the basement. And then there wasn't even a basement in the pizza shop. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Like, we people are just getting so 
yeah, well, taken down the rabbit hole. That's why the podcast is such a good name, podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. By the way, guys, that podcast is only like eight parts. So it's pretty like it's not like we're asking you to commit to a whole three-year podcast like ours has been but <laughs> once, yeah. once you once you listen to one episode you will be hooked i guarantee it oh absolutely they're all like 20 minutes so anyway it's, yeah. it's it's worth a listen but anyway um and so we're really starting to see how much these online things are affecting our everyday lives with radicalization but also just with the way we interact with each other um you know i still i still find, find it a little bit weird <laughs> And not that I don't do it, but you know when like you walk and you see a group of friends sitting together, but no one's talking; they're all just on their phones. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. in a public space. I get it if you're all like chilling at home or whatever. Yeah, like sure, but it's like weird when they're all like sitting at a park or something. Yeah. And I'm just like, and I'm, I, I'm not doing it judgmentally. I'm kind of like because I'm just like, it, it, it's so it's just weird, you know. But what I a boomer! It. What a boomer! <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I do it too. That's the yeah, problem. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like totally. I'll be sitting there and realize, like, wait, I'm doing the exactly that thing that I think looks so weird. But yeah, um, yeah, okay, boomer, I'll just stop. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, and I guess the reason we wanted to talk about this is because Jesse and I have been big advocates for using the digital space for ministry. Yeah, and I'm not saying we shouldn't or anything, but I think it's it's probably time for us to talk about the. Uh, the tensions in that too and some of the things we see going on in the online space and yeah well, i guess we're we're just we're, we don't have answers no one has answers that's the, that's the scary thing at the moment but um maybe we can have some practical tips at the end but yeah we've just got questions and tensions we're wrestling with about you know we've seen how these algorithms and social media are affecting the political the social and all these other things but in reality we have to be real and say that these algorithms and social media platforms they're affecting our theology as well mm. i believe yeah and that's the that's really the heart of this episode is how our theology and i suppose i mean look theology is a is much more of an umbrella than just like one thing because mm. the reality is our theology aka our view of god affects our missiology how we you know how we spread the message of Jesus through the world so that people can come in contact with the love of God and ultimately be transformed by it. It, it involves, it, it affects our, our ecclesiology, you know, the way that we do church. Um, and it also affects our eschatology, how we view um, revelation of God, apocalypse, and ultimately how everything's going to wrap up. And there's so many different sub, you know, theologies around that. But yeah. And there's two things I just wanted to say at the at the top. The first thing is that this is this topic is exactly the reason why we started Burn the Haystack in the first place. Because when we looked at Adventist media, by and large on the internet, most of it was pretty negative on Adventism. And also the stuff that was made by Adventists for Adventists or certainly for non-Adventists, whatever, um, a lot of it we found very questionable in terms of the ethics <laughs> yeah. and you know uh, all that sort of stuff. So uh, that that's the first thing. Um, and there was a second thing. I've forgotten what the second thing was. Oh yes, um, the second thing was um, 
I don't think it's necessary that we really dig into exactly like the algorithms and how the algorithms work. As we said at the top, you know, we're not very, you know, we don't really understand how it all works very well, but I don't think it really matters because if we were to talk about algorithms today, chances are tomorrow they'll be completely different. That's just how they work. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, so if whatever we share right now in terms of how the algorithm actually works, tomorrow will probably be different when it comes to uh, Facebook or Instagram or YouTube. They're always changing, morphing, and uh, more and more are directed by AI rather than human um, human change. So algorithms are, are just that. They're very fluid and they're always changing. So... Uh, when we talk about the way that theology is affected by algorithms, this is very much an unfolding conversation. I just don't think people have been cognizant of the fact that that's how algorithms work um, yeah. super well. Yeah, it's true. And yeah, I, I know like we've changed, we've had to change tactics several times in the way that we've done stuff on Facebook for Burn the Haystack, Instagram, um, not so much podcasting. Podcasting is pretty... Um, it feels pretty immune, to be honest, because it's just sort of yeah. its own thing. Again, with Spotify changing it, maybe these comments will date very quickly. But um, yeah, at the moment, with like an Apple podcasting app or with other podcasting apps I've seen, it's just you subscribe to who you want to subscribe to. You don't really get recommended. Like yeah. you don't finish listening to a podcast and then the algorithm will just magically recommend you another podcast from anywhere on the podcasting scene. You have to be subscribed generally to get them in your yeah. inbox. So it's a this is a bit of a different medium. But it's a totally different story on YouTube or Facebook or even Instagram. Like, you know, I'm seeing these sort of Instagram podcast thing, hybrid yeah, things popping up yeah. more. Um, you know, but even though it's like you watch a movie, you watch a movie, you watch a video on IGTV, which is Instagram's sort of longer form video side. And straight away, it'll play you another video. Yeah. But you don't actually, you don't get to choose that video. It just... Yeah scrolls up and plays it you don't even get to see what's coming next which think. is one of the reason why one of the reasons why i don't really use igtv because no, if i either. am yeah. watching a video great but i don't want to be blasted with a new video straight away it's, it, it just yeah. got too annoying for me i was like oh screw this <laughs> it's yeah, not yeah. it's not worth it <laughs> i see what they're trying to do but i'm not i'm not here for it like i was actually listening to a and we'll talk about this a little bit later like a sermon i call them sermon jams it's like when people just like take a couple of minute segments or you know something out of their sermon and just chuck it on a social media platform yeah um i was listening to one and legitimately it had moved on to another one and i didn't know because i wasn't paying attention until i looked back and thought <laughs> wait he's wearing a different outfit oh, this is a different, you know, like, I, like I'm like, what the heck? That's not fair. Yeah, anyway, yeah um, that's funny. Yeah, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, podcasting is in a bit of a different space, but that's sort of what we're seeing. Um, you know, YouTube recommends, and basically the way it all works at the moment um, is that if you watch or engage with particular content, the AI, the platform or whatever will see that see how you know know how long you watched it for and that kind of thing and then it will and if you especially if you smash that like button kind of thing or hit subscribe it will then recommend you content that is similar to that yeah now the old algorithm when youtube first started was wild because it was just whatever video is getting the most views yeah you, that would get recommended to you so you'd watch a 
funny cat video and then instantly you're getting hit with the next. Here's what everybody else is watching at the moment. And it led to like crazy sort of clickbait. Um, you still get clickbait these days, but it's not as bad as what it was because back then yeah. your recommended recommendation would only come through how many clicks you had on your video. I don't think they calculated watch time or anything like that. It was just how many people clicked on that video. Yeah. So yeah, that sort of tamed down a little bit with that change of the algorithm, but now it's all, if you like something, it is just, yeah. Hey, think, what's more like that? Think of it like, so the algorithm is creating a profile of you essentially. And over time, because it's so much more sophisticated than it used to be, over time, a the algorithm will have a profile of who you are, what you like, um, what you watch, what you, uh, how long you engage with that content, and then based on that, will create suggestions for you to continue on the platform. Because at the end of the day, uh, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, the sort of big three, um, their end goal is to increase your engagement time on their particular platform. That's the whole, yeah. that's the point. That's the whole point. Well, so that that they you, they have more engagement, therefore they have more to offer advertisers. Yes. And they can hone in targeted ads so they can make advertisers pay more because they're, those ads are more likely to be successful because they're actually targeted at somebody who's more likely, like calculators to be more likely to, buy that product or whatever so yeah and i suppose i suppose the sub point of that would be um if if a platform is offering some sort of um direct sale funnel that's more like a more like amazon sort of thing but i think it's starting to become a little bit more like that especially on facebook where you will have advertising that will link to a facebook store like that's becoming a little bit more i've never bought anything on a facebook store um mm. before but i have seen them more and more and they seem to be starting to not drive you away from a from the platform to take you to the store on a different website but actually integrate your browsing experience your watching experience your interacting with also um a, a sale so yeah 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 which is where we're heading which is crazy like anyway that's yeah i i'm interested in talking about that too but yeah uh, kind of gotta <laughs> so so uh, one, so we want to make this about ministry because that's obviously sort of our wheelhouse but um the other stuff is very fascinating nonetheless I could we could we paint a picture maybe about sort of let's talk about pre YouTube pre Facebook. If you were let's say somebody who was interested in an independent ministry or some sort of figurehead or evangelist or whatever, and you wanted to share their content with the world and get more people watching them, what Josh was is sort of what was the tactics that people would have to to use to get the stuff out there yeah um i really think probably i guess like a pre 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 pre, pre all this stuff would have been like books but yeah. um you know like you buy a book from some author who's like whoa they're speaking truth i'm gonna buy this book and share it with all my friends somewhat impactful but uh i think we like i think tape ministry and then on to video and then on to dvd ministry yeah um great forms of ministry uh don't get me wrong a lot of good that's come out of it, obviously. But I, I know what would happen. Like, they, you know, say you find some preacher who is preaching about something and you're like, whoa, 
I've never heard that before. Like they are, they are speaking straight to what the Pope's doing. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. just, just call it example, out, man. Just call it out. Something like that. You know, yeah. or maybe it's you know something else. I'm just using that as a fun example because we've all seen those sort of sermons. Yeah. Um, well, I hope we've all. No, I don't know if. I, anyway, I'm sure a lot of us have seen that kind of thing where someone's just like off on some change. It could be like conspiracy theory based. Or it could be a total wacky interpretation of a text that you've never heard before. And this is this goes for anyone. But, you know, yeah. let's just talk about that sort of conspiracy kind of one because this is where I've seen it the most. Um, so, there, you know, there's this, like, real conspiracy preacher kind of thing. And then they're like, wow, this is so good. So they buy the DVD. They love that sermon. And there's, like, maybe a set of three sermons on a DVD. Then they love that DVD so much that then what they do is they go and buy the entire box set of that dvd they watch everything that preacher puts out and it's probably got links to i say links what would they've done back then Uh, recommendations a brochure maybe if you like Mm. if you like pastor joe blows 10 steps to apocalyptic uh whatever then buy his i don't know 23 steps to even more (laughs) apocalyptic stuff (laughs) So imaginative. Um, And maybe there's some interviews on there with some of their pastor friends who also preach that kind of thing. So then you're like, oh, buy their DVDs too. Yeah. Um, Or maybe they're part of like a unified publishing house that publishes mm. multiple people's content. And so it's like, okay, if you like Joe Blow, maybe you'll like Jack White or, you know, Jane Green or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yep. Or they all might be a part of this one big ministry anyway yeah um and so then you you know you start listening to all these preachers who all uh have the same maybe focus points theology direction and then you love those dvds and box sets so much you start sharing them with probably other people at your church um you think of like a small rural church out in the middle of nowhere kind of thing um not that this this happens in every church but i'm just it's easy to picture and then they're handing those dvds around to everybody in the church or videos or whatever and then they're all, all of a sudden, everybody in the church is like really into it. And they're all yeah. just listening to the same kind of preachers from the same ministry all the time. You can see like, there's some problems there. Like yes. it could, could arise from that. It could, it could be really great and healthy, but it could also be really problematic. Yeah. I don't know that I've necessarily heard that many pastors, let's say, um, because, you know, we talk to pastors all the time. I've not heard that many pastors say, oh, such and such shared such and such shared this DVD box set with me and it was the best thing ever. And now we're taking the whole church through it. And like, yes, that content does exist and it has existed. But by and large, it's funny, man. The types of people who are willing and motivated to share this sort of content tend the, the sort of these sorts of people tend to like content that is a little bit more uh, controversial. Uh, it's a little bit more out there, in your face, and not necessarily the most balanced. Um, I think most people just like, if they hear a good sermon or they read a good book, they're like, oh, yeah, sweet. Maybe I'll share it with one person, but not, but not I'm going to share it with literally every single person at my church and I'm going to yeah. make them watch it. And if they don't watch it, then I'm going to call them a heretic or blind or whatever. You know, that's... That I don't know. I've heard. I've just heard the horror stories of you know such and such has has donated all these, or they've slipped it into our church library. And I oh, I, yeah. I, I turned up one day and 
this entire DVD box set is there and I had to throw it in the bin or hide it away so that nobody <laughs> could get access to it. You know, that sort of stuff. That's, yeah. 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 So, that, I mean, yeah, I, I was kind of giving a bit of an extreme example. I, totally. More, more often it will happen like there'll be a group in the church who then form around this idea and everybody else yeah. is a heretic except them, basically, yes. which yeah. is never a healthy mind. That's I've never heard that in a healthy context. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, so if you're in that group, just, just I don't know. <laughs> Maybe some, something to look at. Uh, but yeah. nowadays the process has been streamlined. Yeah. Um, so now, particularly with YouTube, it is faster, cheaper, easier. Um, plus, it can be done without a single other person in your church community ever even knowing about it. Yeah, um, it's true. Yeah, yeah. So, so we we definitely live a wor- in a wor- in a world in a world. I don't in know why world. I'm struggling to say that phrase because it's a Friday afternoon. <laughs> it is a Friday afternoon. <laughs> we definitely live in a world where you can go down the rabbit hole without having to spend any money, without having to go outside your house uh, and you can just completely get enraptured and changed and shaped in a really potentially positive way but also potentially really dangerous way um, all without leaving your home, all without you know having to go anywhere and doing anything and you can share this stuff around without doing anything either. Um, you now have a, in many cases, direct line to um, ministries, to conspiracy theorists, to whoever. Some of the top conspiracy theorists in our faith tradition have now completely switched from doing DVDs and Blu-rays. I don't, did they ever get to Blu-ray? I felt like it was always DVDs. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't remember ever seeing a Blu-ray one. That would have Maybe been it's too expensive. Level. Yeah, maybe yeah. I don't know. Anyway, so they've they've many of them have now completely switched to just YouTube. There are ministries that I've seen that get tens of thousands of views on YouTube. Bro, I've seen millions. Yeah, from like Adventists. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So we need more subscribers as well. <laughs> no, well, well, but I mean, it's not just again. I want to I want to establish it's not just those. You know those really traditional conspiracy theories. Yeah, like, yeah. Those, I, I, I kind I, of want to push back on that a little bit. No, you say okay. you you say you say what you're no, going to well, say. I want to say like that's definitely. I think I think I see that more, and from my perspective, uh, I think it's more problematic. Um, it leads yeah. to more problematic thinking. But I do want to say it can happen. It doesn't happen as much, but it can happen the other way. Like for example. Um, you know, like one of these big mega preachers at the moment. Okay, let's use... I don't like naming names, but just for the sake of it, Stephen Furtick, for example, sure. right? We always bring up Stephen Furtick. We do, because he's so popular. And yeah. like everybody who follows us, when I go on Stephen Furtick's page, I see all of them following him too. So yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like our audience knows Stephen Furtick for some reason. Um, I know he's really good. Um, I like... Anyway, I mean, I don't listen to him much anymore, but... I liked his older stuff more than his newer stuff. But anyway, that's a personal taste thing. <laughs> you're, you're a true fan. <laughs> I'm a purist. I like the, you know, the OG for anyway. uh, No, but um, <laughs> like, okay. So they do these cool little sermon jam things, three minutes, and then yep. you'll get recommended another one, right? Yeah. And I remember seeing like there was a particular sermon that... I don't know if it was Stephen Furtick, but just for an example, but he would preach something. And because they take these little three-minute sermon jams 
out of their sermon. So it doesn't have the context of the whole sermon. Yeah. And they'll say something and it can be misconstrued or it can be not what uh, not what I believe, right? Necessarily. Sure. But sure. it's really subtle. But then you'll get recommended more and more and more and more Stephen Furtick. The more you watch, like, and it And can- then you'll get... And then you'll get, you know, John John Gray and, you know, the, Judas Smith and yeah. all the same guys that are doing all the same stuff. Yeah, and then you'll you'll end up, like, in all of these, like, Pentecost... Just listening to a whole... Uh, just listening to and engaging with a whole lot of, like, that Pentecostal yep. charismatic... Funnily, Stephen Vertig's actually Baptist, but originally. Yeah. But now I think he's non-denom. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, think, I don't think they're part of the uh, Southern Baptist Convention anymore. Could no. be wrong. Could be wrong. Not sure, but anyway, and then you'll be and so then you're you you're ending up listening to just all of these sermons from the same kinds of preachers, and it can be the same problem, do you know? Yes. Because then it can be like, wait, and I don't know, I I yeah. Anyway, that's I'm yeah. just saying it can happen the no, other way, but no. I don't think it's as necessarily I problematic. Okay. So I, I like I definitely see what you're saying. I I guess I'm coming from an Adventist perspective, yeah, because. Yeah. In our church, it feels like we don't really have any Stephen Furtick's. Like we we do have small time Stephen Furtick's, aka people who are amazing preachers and who can use social media to get their messages out effectively. Yeah, okay, sure. We have little ones, but yeah. we don't have these millions and millions of followers preachers who you know will put up a you know a sermon jam on Insta and get like two hundred thousand likes on it. We do have uber conspiracy theorist people who will put stuff out and get millions of views on YouTube. Um, and it just boggles my mind. We That's have true. the, yeah. we have the official church stuff. So if, you know, Ted Wilson puts out a video from the GC or something on their YouTube channel, it'll get maybe a dozen views, 20, 30, maybe a couple hundred. If they if it's something really, you know, that makes waves throughout the whole world. Really? Is that it? Dude. Some of the stuff that they put out from the official Adventist uh, YouTube channel, the official Twitter page, the official Facebook page, I think they tend to get the most engagement on Facebook, but I think that goes for almost everybody. Um, but some of the stuff that they put out is just a, you know just a couple dozen views. Wow. Like it's not, it's not a lot. This is our official church channels. You know, they don't do social media like the big dogs, even though they probably should be in that league um so anyway yeah yeah no, okay i just pulled up the the official seventh-day adventist youtube uh channel at the time of this recording it's got 64.1 thousand views up uh, subscribers. subscribers yeah but like all their videos are seven thousand views around there which is yep. great seventh day adventist with seven thousand views right <laughs> so I don't know how that but considering either. but i mean considering we have a church of 20 odd million people you know, not expect. Yeah, wow. Even if even if a quarter of our church was subscribed to the official YouTube channel, you know, we're not doing very well. Even if a tenth of our entire church membership was subscribed, we're not doing well. You know, it'd be, be, yeah. it'd be more than that. Maybe, I, anyway, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I. So here, but here's the thing. I, and this is this is maybe going to be an offensive statement for some people, but. I'm I'm going to stand by it. I think there is a definitive link between um, extreme mental, uh, extreme personal personality um, types and mental illness and 
the sort of conspiracy theory content online that generates so much hype amongst a rabid fan base. Not saying that every single person who watches a conspiracy video or who buys into a more extreme viewpoint is mentally ill. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is I think that there is a link between these rabid followings that insist on special information and are shaped by an algorithm. I think if it doesn't start with mental illness, I think it can result in mental illness in the same way that... In the same way that, and the reason I, I say that is because I think the same thing happens in that arena when it comes to theology as what happens to a teenage girl who doesn't get enough likes on an Instagram post and so their self-worth is shattered or who posts a, a video on their Instagram and gets a whole bunch of likes and so starts to build their entire self-confidence around a fake persona. Um, I think the algorithm... And the way that it all works can drive people to extremes of personality, extremes of emotion. And I think it can really mess with our mental health. Mm. Yeah, I, I would agree that a lot of, like, well, I mean, it's it's been proven that social media is messing with our mental health. Um, and so I think it's, yeah, I would say even in the Christian arena, I would say, yeah, I don't know if I'm totally on board with everything you're saying there. Sure. I have to think about it a little bit more, but I definitely agree with parts of it that, yeah, there is definitely some effects this is having on on our church's mental health too with some of the rabbit holes that it's taking people down. And I think it's it's leading to big trust issues. Do you know, like uh, I've seen, I've seen like, you know, the some of the videos that people will watch on YouTube they've shared with me. And like it, like a lot of them are just sowing massive distrust of your local church. Yep. Of anybody who's graduated from Avondale or that, you know what I mean? That sort of thing or, um, which is crazy to me or like it's sowing distrust into, um, yeah, the official church, which I'm like, why, why? Like, and then they're recommending it to their friends and then, you know, again, they're going to watch. And so I think it's, it's, it's can become quite toxic to our communities. Yeah. It's funny, you know, once upon a time, our most respected institutions were things like the church. Um, you know, if you were in the Commonwealth empire, you know, it's the crown um, and, mm. and you, you held certain viewpoints of who deserves respect to be self-evident. And now that is just no longer the case, you know, levels of trust amongst clergy is so low. And yes, certainly some of us um, in the in the um, professional of ministry have done things to uh, erode that trust. That's definitely true. But that doesn't mean that everybody is a bad guy in ministry. And if mm. nobody has a track record of misdemeanors, then, you know, I. but I feel like the trust that people have in the institutions is just it's failing um and and i when i, I think that's si- why these independent things are skyrocketing so much yes. but i don't know if it's like a chicken and egg situation but when because when mm. i see the, the 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 types of people or institutions or whatever that some people are putting their trust in now i just go you trust this more <laughs> than you trust the official church you know, yeah, it just boggles my mind. Yeah, Absolutely. like 
official church. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously they don't get everything right, but there's a lot of systems in place that, in at least in our church, or like at least in the Seventh Day Adventist Church, it's the one I know. Yeah. I'm not speaking to general church institutions because I have no idea about other ones, but I know our one. There are a lot of safety nets and accountability in place. Yes. Whether which, you like our, pre- our president, our general conference president or not, the church isn't the president. The church is the church. The church is so much bigger than one person. Absolutely. And then, yeah, so there's all these safety nets, like particularly financial safety nets. It is like, you know, they can't do this, this, this with that money. Like it's very protected. Um, with Again, I, I know there's been things happen, but I'm just saying in general. Whereas yeah. like some independent ministries or whatever, it's just one person. <laughs> like yeah. five people doing whatever yeah. they want. They're just like, give us your money, you know, like we'll make more videos. <laughs> and it's like, oh, guys, it's a little bit, I don't know. And, yeah. And we but, talked and about they, this. They trust them more. And I'm like, I'm not yeah. saying they're untrustworthy. I'm just saying it's it's interesting that that's what people are choosing. Well, look, I, I will say this. I mean, we talked about this. We did an episode on independent ministries last year and we talked a little bit about this. I, 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 I'm not saying that every independent ministry is, is, uh, greedy or is fudging their books or is not declaring their income because they have something to hide. But I also think that it's pretty obvious when you see certain leaders of independent ministries with personal jets and big homes and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then you look at your local church pastor and wonder why he or she struggles to pay the rent. You know, like that should be pretty obvious, you know, mm-hmm. who is being faithful and who is maybe has some questions need to be answered. Um, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I feel like maybe yeah, that's oversimplifying, but maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But anyway, I think um, I think the big thing here is like we we just have to be careful about what we're listening to, and again, like how you're engaging with a lot of this content too, and who you subscribe to. Like again, y- you can listen to a bunch of I don't know ideology from a theological point of view yeah uh, like and then like i'm not saying it's not even just youtube people go and join facebook groups that are, are all around that and then they're just like you're getting it in your feed all the time um and so i think it's maybe we should get a bit, little bit practical to finish up but yeah i think yeah you should yeah. just try and at least not all the time, but you know, when you can to just try and listen to people like a preacher or whatever that you don't know that you'll necessarily agree with. Could it be good? And to actually like take the time to read for yourself and study it for yourself. I know I I know we say that a lot. Like <laughs> do your own research. Yeah. Well, there's problems with that too. Cause a lot of people don't actually know how to do their research. Yeah. Yeah. It's which, true. Anyway, that's which a whole other thing. If you want to know the short version, doing your own research doesn't mean watching a video in your underwear on your couch. That's yeah. not doing your own research. No. <laughs> if no, it, you if in really doubt. At least be wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> one of the okay. things that I, I think, just to echo what you just said, Josh, is the one thing that I'm get, getting concerned about is people becoming ideologically possessed. And what I mean by that is somebody who is so caught up in a particular viewpoint or a particular echo chamber that they can't see outside of it and they can't see over it and they cannot engage on any level other than using the um, the language and the strictures and the methodology prescribed by whatever ideology they are possessed by. You become essentially a zombie because you cannot see the world any other way 
than the one that is presented to you by the ideologue or by the institution or by whoever is feeding this stuff to you. That's how people can um, justify dictators and despots and how, you know, all the, the most horrible things in world history can can come about, whether it's the Holocaust or the, you know, Armenian genocide or whatever the pick your poison, you know. Mm. Ideolo- ideological possession is when you give up your own viewpoint and your critical thinking skills to think alongside the views of the party or the institution or the the group. Um, it's really dangerous. And so yeah, what Josh just said is so, so, so important. Learn to dialogue, learn to debate, learn to see the world from other people's perspectives. Um, that's the way that we grow. And yeah, yeah, I'll stop talking. But yeah, I think I, I'm really passionate about that because I think it's, we just don't, we just don't want to do it. It's just so far from what we want to do these days. Oh, totally. Yeah. And even like reading books from, I think books are super valuable, especially in the theological, biblical study world. Like, it's a shame book reading is constantly dropping. Like, how many people are reading books? But, guys, seriously, <laughs> that's yeah. still, even today, I listen to podcasts, watch great sermons, all those sort of things. <sighs> so much of the best content is just in books. So, yeah. anyway. Um, yeah, books are great because algorithms can't mess with them, but they can <laughs> yeah, mess yeah. with which books you buy. So that can be problematic too. But yeah. um, I guess it, it's another, actually another really cool piece of advice from Social Dilemma that they talk about just briefly. They said, never never watch the recommended video. Always <laughs> choose what video you're going to watch for yourself. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, wow, like... Yeah, it's funny. Like the guy who made the the guy they interviewed him in both Social Dilemma and the Rabbit Hole. The guy mm-hmm. who invented the the who worked on the YouTube algorithm, the one yep. that they still sort of use today, or is based off. Anyway, um, the one today is at least based off that one. And he's saying, guys, a way to get around it: just never watch a recommended video. Always yep. watch what you choose to watch. And I was yeah. like, man, it's so hard though, because sometimes yeah. I just see them like, ah, oh, the recommended one looks so appealing. Yep, <laughs> you know, yep. it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's good. And I think we could talk on this for ages and ages and ages, but I think that's a, it's a really good place to, 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 to leave it. I think it, we need to be aware of uh, the algorithms that are affecting our theology and our lives. And we got to remember that as much as it feels like um, these platforms are on our side, if they're feeding us the stuff that we want to see and the stuff that we want to hear and the the conversations and the perspectives and the viewpoints that really align well with us, I think we've got to be really honest and brutally uh, admit the fact that um, they don't actually really have our best interests at heart. At the end of the day, these entities are corporations. They're companies that want to make money and they are doing it um, through you. <laughs> you you are the product and you are uh, ultimately the thing that affects their bottom line and uh, they're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. <laughs> as dark as that sounds, it is the truth. It, it, it is. Yeah, it's pretty unfortunate. But uh, I mean, some of them are taking positive steps and that kind of thing, but yeah, yeah it's still, uh, yeah. But... It all comes down to the bottom dollar, you know, yeah. and that's the thing. Like, why on 
yeah i don't know anyway that's that yeah let's let's leave it there that's that we can talk about this so much why maybe we will do another episode on it later on well maybe yep. we should learn a bit more about it and some of the see some of the updates use some examples later on but for now we just wanted to bring it to your attention beautiful people um and we'd love to hear what you have to think about it so mm. get in contact with us uh best way to find always contact us is burn you can go there find links to funnily enough our social media but also just a <laughs> direct contact form if you want to email us uh, we'd love to hear from you maybe you have a story around this or um yeah you've just got some thoughts about what we shared or you know somebody who would make a great person to interview on this topic it's mm. be a really good topic to find someone who really knows their stuff about algorithms and ai and all that kind of thing mm. and if you want to choose what content to listen to uh, to or to watch subscribe to burn the haystack that way you don't have to go through the recommendations tab you don't have to do any of that rubbish you can just listen to the content because you choose that content Um, best content best content is the best content anyway (laughs) um and and if you uh ironically i think what i'm about to say is going to go against what i just said if you want (laughs) other people to see this organically through their recommendations leave a review and that will help the algorithm to spread burn the haystack to more people i feel like such a hypocrite but, yeah, I have- but we've done that every episode we're not <laughs> stopping now i'm not gonna stop now <laughs> <laughs> so you can do one thing to subvert the algorithm and one thing to help the algorithm it all evens out in the end well, the, be- all right, the best way to grow burn the haystack is if you find this contact valuable share it with a friend just tell them about yeah. it yeah, yeah that's it just make it organic you know that's what we want that's but right. Algorithms help too. So it's all, it's all there. How bad is this? What do we do? What do we do though? Do we, we, this, is, this is how we survive. I don't know. We just, anyway. we just live within our hypocrisy. It's, is it hypocrisy? Anyway, all right. Let, let's leave it there. We love you guys. Stay awesome. That is Josh and Jesse out. Thank <laughs> you.